It is showtime. We're live. Hi, Dave. Hey, how's it going, Ron? It's going good. Good to be back. Yeah. After, after a week later. <laughs> it's good to have you back. Yeah. Um, I haven't had uh, too many regulars like this, like consistently. Like Tony's been on a bunch, um, like weekly almost. And now this is your second time within within a week. Right. Um, wasn't expecting to come back so quick, but thanks to Tony, he's the one that kind of planted the seed yeah last week yeah so, thanks tony yeah thanks thanks sarge <laughs> thank you sarge <laughs> so what's been going on uh same old same old good to be back to work um my bank account's happy to be back to work my body isn't um feeling the after having a couple months off um yeah the body's talking to me a little bit let me know i gotta have to go out and buy some new shoes and mm, yeah um maybe start working out again and but that's what I want to do. I actually was talking to Tony over the week about um, his product that he's been doing. So I want to get started on that after we see what happens on Wednesday. Um, so hopefully I am free and not in jail um, after Wednesday. So yeah, we pr probably should give some context to that, right? Oh, we'll, yep. We'll absolutely get there. Um, now you were on, uh, when was when was the last time you were on? It was like May or something like that. It was I, in the spring. Jul I think it was a week before Father's Day, so July eighth okay. ish, seventh, sixth, eighth around there. Yeah, you were um, on to share your story of uh, alcoholism and overcoming it, and um, ended up you ended up relapsing again. Yes. And um, Oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. And uh, so you wanted to come back on to kind of talk about that. And yeah, I, I, I actually, I think the first time I was here, we kind of delved off here and there and stuff like that. And um, even just even more of the backstory, um, both my parents were um, alcoholics. Uh, my mom, she actually, she drank herself to death. Um, hate to put it so bluntly, but she she died. She passed away from alcoholism. She wow. literally drank her body to stop. Um, I actually was in on a golf trip and gotten a phone call um, from the from the hospital, and they were like, "Hey, this is what's going on. We need to we need to know if we want to put a do not resuscitate on her." And at, unfortunately at that time, and this is, we'll get into more of this as well. At that time, I didn't, I wasn't attuned to alcoholism and what addiction it does. And, um, at that point I hadn't, I wasn't speaking to my mom for two years. Wow. And so, um, I had told the nurse, I said, you need to talk to her brother about that. Um, because my, my mom and I are on no longer on talking terms. So you're going to have to talk to her, talk to her brother about that. Um, finished up my lunch. We were, we had played 18 holes in the morning and we we're getting ready to play our second 18 holes. And I got another phone call and the nurse said, no, this is a little bit more serious than what you think it is. And so this was on a Saturday and I was coming back home the next day late at night. And I said, will she be alive until Monday? Cause I was not cutting in my head with how our relationship was, I wasn't cutting my trip short. And, um, said, can you keep her alive till Monday? And they said, absolutely. So I showed up to the hospital Monday morning 
and she was hooked up to every every needle you could think of. I think they had about seven or eight um, IVs running through her to keep her organs going. And at that point, I had to make the decision to stop. And so one by one, they were stopping, they pulling IVs out, stopping the meds, stopping the drips. And um, to, it was not even a full day later. She had passed away. It was real early Tuesday in the, in the morning. I want to say around 2, 3 o'clock in the morning she had passed away. Um, and then my dad, he passed away 10 years ago this year. But his was his was due to cancer. But we don't know if out the alcohol caused the cancer or not. So um, what kind of cancer was it? It was kidney and pancreatic. Um, so what I've kind of learned, all signs kind of lead towards, um, I would say alcohol very much had a factor into that cancer. Just what I've learned and what I've read and what I've been told. And um, yeah, I think it, it definitely had a factor into the type of cancer he had. Um, he was for sure thought he had lung cancer because he was a three, almost a three pack a day smoker. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Savage. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> literally. It, it was, it was nonstop. He put one out and, and I think even maybe at some times he would light one when he still had one burning somewhere else. Wow. And then um, back to my mom's side, her mom even passed away from alcohol. She drank herself to death too, from what I've been told by other family members, my mom and my aunt. So wow. definitely runs into the family. Yeah. And when, how old were you when you first started drinking? I like every other kid had my first drink when I was in high school, but it didn't take it. It, it wasn't my cup of tea. Um, and then, you know, you're young, my monk, young, my young twenties, you know, I started drinking a little bit more heavier. And then, especially when I got hired into GM, man, cause that's what at that time you drank like a fish on the, <laughs> you drink like a fish at work. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> and then, um, then I took a break for a little bit. Um, I would say probably about five years. I didn't drink from maybe, well, I drink periodically, but not heavy. And then um, I would say probably about 30, it picked up again, but not heavy. Just, you know, the occasional social drinking. Um, and that it really, that, that's about how it went. I wouldn't say I needed it at that point. That didn't come until what I talked about on the last podcast when, um, back in 2015, um, you know, I got caught having the affair and all that. And, um, the drinking really took off then. And then I became really dependent. Um, do you think that, that you were drinking at that time as a way of, uh, coping, like yes, a coping mechanism Yes, to cope with the, the, that just the pain that I caused to other people. And, um, it's definitely, you, you definitely drink. I was drinking at that time. You it's short-term, a short-term pain relief, but long-term 
devastation is what it is. Um, I wasn't coping in the right way. Pick up back. And I think I, I can't remember what we talked about if we talked about this in the other podcast, previous one. And in 2019, drinking had picked up again. Um, stress at home, stress at work. And it got so bad that at the end of 2019, I almost, I would say I was a living dead. Um, I had a couple of, uh, couple people from work pretty much picked me up off my floor at my house at about two 30 in the morning, took me into the hospital. And, um, at that time I was, I had had stopped drinking for a few hours, maybe three, four hours. If recollecting back to it, when I got there, I was pretty much at a three, nine, two alcohol. Whoa. Yeah. Really, really, it was bad, really, really bad. And, um, they held me. It was so bad that they actually put me in the the psych unit for 36 hours just to make sure I wouldn't do harm to myself at that time too. Cause there were some statements that I had made after that I had went, Holy cow. What was it? I went a little bit sober after that. Um, and then the following, no, a couple months I went, sober but the drinking picked back up the following spring and that's around the time when did uh that was covid hit yes covid hit of 2000 or yeah 2020 started drinking heavy and then i got my first arrest and i was drunk when i was arrested and um ended up moving out. Um, the divorce had started at that time and I was put on probation and I was not ready to stop drinking at that point. And between the first arrest and while being on probation, I continued to drink heavy. Um, no judge or probation officer was gonna, um, stop me. I was diluting my pee, even had a, um, a hearing for a probation violation, put me in jail for five days, got out, continued to drink, and then still drank and drank and drank, not really realizing the ramifications um, all the way around. Um, not only what I was doing to myself and everybody else, and then in November of 2020, um, Got an OWI, second arrest. Put me in jail for 50 days. It was a two-month sentence. Put me in jail for 60 days, so you get good time. For one every day, you get six days, or for every six days, you get one day off. That sobered me up quick. And then I had went eight, almost, we'll say 20 months without drinking. And at that point, what they call... I was living sober, not in recovery. So I was pretty much just living without drinking. Um, Always wanting to still have that drink, just didn't do it. And then July of last year of 22, I had my first drink in 20 months. And then it was, it was like, 
it was like the Niagara Falls. Just let the let it let it happen. Um, ended up catching a third arrest, and then at that point, I felt like I was just a garbage human being, a garbage dad, and really, really, really took off with the drinking, and I, I, I coped. I guess is what you. I dealt with it the best way I knew how, and that was to drink, and. At that time, I was drinking really heavy through August. So July, it picked back up, picked up end of July last year, really heavy in August, really heavy in September. I was drinking so heavy, Dave, that twice in the month of September, I went to the hospital on the verge of organ failure. I don't remember the first time I went to the hospital, but I remember the second time. And it's crazy because I don't really remember the much. I don't really, to this day, I don't remember last September that much. It's crazy. It's, it's, it gets that, it, it got that bad. Um, I went in the hospital and, um, at that point in the end of September, what I do remember, um, I hadn't talked to my kids in a few months. And it's not that I pushed them away, but they pulled away. And that's you when it comes to stuff like that. And we'll I'll delve in that with my mom and stuff like that. Um, when I went in the hospital, they finally came back around. I think they thought that dad was gonna pass away, so they better get up there. Um they they had gotten um calls on how bad it was, and I didn't realize how bad I looked. And um they expressed it to me. A couple other people expressed it to me. And then even the doctors and nurses and stuff like that were, um, yeah, this is what it is. And then I got out and that's when my first rehab was my my first, um, thought or my first rehab was brought to me, the idea of it. And so I went, October 6th of last year was there for 28 days and, um, got out, had a after aftercare program all set up and never made it to aftercare, <laughs> never made it to aftercare. Um, five days later, started drinking heavy again. And then after about five days, I knew I had to get back into rehab was went back to rehab for 32 days. Got out, had the aftercare plan all set up, ready to go. Never made it to aftercare. Started drinking on day five again. And then after the fifth day, got back into recovery or rehab right away. Um, there was no two day waiting period. They said, bring them in now. Went back for 32 days and then Aftercare program set up. <laughs> Drink again. Didn't even make it to aftercare again. Started drinking the next day. Went to Pine Rest for five days. And then after that, I'd went seven and a half months of recovery. But when I got out of Pine Rest is when I really delved into aftercare. Um, 
really started delving into the aftercare program of what they call IOP, which is intensive, intensive outpatient program. And is what that is, is three times a week, three hours each day, each time for 18 sessions. So basically 54 hours of therapy after rehab. And then after that, um, it, you, it's called early recovery group. And then that, that particular program, it's twice a week, an hour and a half each time. And then I started seeing my therapist as well outside of there, who's an addiction specialist as well. Um, was doing really well, got through that. And then um, it was really working on my recovery. And, and then, um, excuse me, and then I started figuring I had it and um, stopped doing the early recovery group, was just doing was just doing the, uh, seeing my therapist once a week and I wasn't doing anything on top of that. And then mid August hit and on August 16th, Hey Harry, how you doing buddy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Harry who just captioned on there. He, I met Harry at Skywood. We were there twice together. Really good guy. And, um, so mid-August um, came up, and on August 6th, 18th, um, uh, had a great day. Had a great day at work. Sunny out. Had a healthy dinner. Turkey burger and broccoli. Ran some errands, and uh, had a relapse. And that lasted until the following Friday. And um, unfortunately, you saw that. You saw a part of that, of what alcohol does to me or what what it can do to someone. Got back into rehab again, and I was there for, they wanted to, they wanted me there for, initially it was gonna be 45 days. And then um, it got scaled back to 30, but I advocated for 35 because I wanted to make sure this is my last time. And when I was in rehab this time, um, I looked at my intake photo. And if Harry, you're, if you're listening, obviously you are, you never want to look at that intake photo. <laughs> um, my therapist, Laura, she's like, you want to look at your intake photo? And finally, after about the third week I was in there, I was like, yeah, I'll take a look at it. And I didn't even recognize myself. I argued with my therapist, Laura. I was like, that ain't me. (laughs) She's like, no, that's you. And I'm like, that ain't me. And she goes, no, that's you. I, Dave, I literally had to look at my t-shirt to realize it was me. It, it did not look like me. It did not look like me. And so, um, and now here I am, I've graduated. I got out September 29th. I have graduated IOP again. And um, now I'm in the early recovery group part of it. And um, the aftercare program I'm doing now, it's a little bit different one than I did before. So it's not twice a week now. It's just, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, they didn't they didn't keep using my same picture there, Harry. <laughs> so they just keep using the same long-haired passed out picture of me from the first time. Um and then now I'm in the what they call the the aftercare group. It's just one time a week for an hour and a half. But to um to make up for that, I am doing two an additional two smart meetings a week, which is an hour and a half. And I know that's that's what I need. And I know that. And here I am sitting in front of you. Um, I didn't expect to really do this podcast again so soon, but you know, Tony Sarge, thanks Sarge, kind of, you know, got the seed going on it last week and here we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, the idea that you should, I mean, that you are on here again, I mean, just because you just had a relapse not that long ago doesn't mean you shouldn't share it, share. Oh, no. And I'm I'm not saying that. Um, I I just didn't think we were going to do it. So, so, you know, I didn't think we were going to do it again so fast. I thought it was going to be a couple more months later down the road. Hey, Sarge is here. <laughs> hey, Sarge. Should have him join with us, join <laughs> us. Um, uh, what is the moment like when you, I mean, because you went seven months sober and you said you had a good day at work. I mean, everything seemed fine. And then next thing you know, you had a relapse. What is that moment like? I mean, did you have like a moment where you're walking through a grocery store it's, and it's scary because a craving happened. Like, not not even a craving happened. I I didn't. Nothing triggered me that day, and um, is what's scary about that about the whole thing. How this happened is that I I remember pulling into the store. I remember walking into the store, and I remember walking back out and putting both hands on my steering wheel and say, "I said, what the fuck are you doing?" And to this day, I still don't remember going back in and buying. Wow. I do not remember going back in and buying the bottle. I don't remember the drive home. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't drink and drive from the store. It's just that 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 overload of, you know, dopamine and the, the, the overload from the transmitters to the receptors. It, I don't remember going back in and buying the bottle. Wow. But I remember going home and drinking, getting home and drinking. But after that, I don't remember shit. (laughs) I don't remember nothing. I don't remember nothing. Yeah. For for those few for those eight days or whatever, seven, eight days, I do not remember nothing. I remember bits and pieces of that week. Um, Um I remember arguing not arguing with caitlin but begging and pleading with caitlin i remember i don't remember you coming over um we went to the hospital again i don't remember going to the hospital but i remember pulling basically pulling the needles out of my arm because i wanted to leave we should have caitlin here caitlin (laughs) should be here telling telling everybody what it was like because i remember her telling me that uh, she tricked you into going to the hospital she lied to you and was like we're going to my apartment or her condo to check on the animals <laughs> and you're like that's fine and then you got in the car you start driving and you're like this isn't the way to the to the liquor store wherever you're going <laughs> and she, then she had to tell you that you were going to the hospital <laughs> i don't remember the hospital part but i remember the end of it cuz i was i was taking the i was I was ready to go. And they said, you're not ready to leave. I said, I don't care. I'm leaving. It's, it's that bananas. And like I said, I don't, 
I guess you can attest to it because I don't remember you being there. I didn't even know you were there until Caitlin told me you were there after I got home from rehab. Wow. And then I think somebody else came over too. And I don't remember, I don't remember them coming over. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was strange to see you in that kind of way because I mean, when I seen you, like you had mentioned, you, you didn't look anything like how you do right now. You look like an old version, old version of yourself. Old, old. Like I swear your hair was gray. That's, that's what it was probably the same. What I saw in that intake photo. You look deflated. Yeah. You, like, like, like you had, like, you look like a balloon that was losing air. I, the, the intake photo I saw, my shoulders were hunched way over. My face aged like, I looked like I was 80 years old. Yeah. You did. Legitly looked 80. And just it, crazy. And that's what, it's funny you say deflated because that was one of the terms I used when I, on my first, one of my first appointments with my therapist at Skywood. It's like, I feel deflated and defeated. How, it's interesting. Addiction is interesting because you said that you would drink when you were in your 20s and you were fine. You weren't addicted. You didn't have the need to drink. But then, and then you took some time off drinking, mm -hmm. and then it wasn't until you experienced some uh, trouble, some, like tru some, some trauma, some yeah. trauma, and some things in your life where it was. That's what triggered it. Yes, um, the predisposition is was always there too. Um, looking, you know, learning some about some of the stuff. The the predis predisposition for alcoholism was there, um, but it it's definitely kicked off by trauma and pain. Hey, mama Sarge is here. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, she said, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's a Bible verse. What is it like to share your story and then have other people listen like this? It's awesome. Yeah. Yes, because um, I had to have a meeting at work yesterday and, um, you know, a lot of people might might get down or beat themselves up because they go to rehab so much, but I don't look at it that way. Um, I look at it as I'm a fighter. I am a fighter. I am, um, man, if I got to go four more times or 14 more times, I will. I'm not going to let this thing beat me. I will not. In the at the meeting yesterday, um, that person she asked me. She goes, she goes, how are you doing? I said, you know, I feel like I said this is absolutely the worst three years of my life, and I said the last year and a half has been the the pinnacle of that that worst year the of those three years. And she goes, Ron, I got to commend you. I said, she goes, I commend you because I know. She goes. I know you've been rehab four times. She goes, but I commend you because you're not done fighting. She goes, you're fighting for this. She goes, she goes, I've had a, she goes, I got a couple people in my, my family right now that are struggling with it and they're doing nothing about it. And she goes, you're fighting. And she goes, I commend you. And when you hear, you know, when you hear other people say that to you, it, it even feels the fire to even fight more. 
and I'll never, I, I will never have this thing. I will never have it. And, um, to this, to this minute, I have a little part of my brain and Harry, you could probably attest to this and you can key in. I have a little part of my brain right now that tells me I can have one drink and I can manage it. But then I know, like, let's say 1% of my brain says that, Ron, have one. You can handle it. And, and right now, I'm justifying it. I am justifying that I can have one in, my, in that little part of my brain. But the other 99% knows that there is no fucking way. Like right now, as I look at you, Dave, I can, I'm telling myself I can have one and manage it. Well, it's not. <laughs> Let's definitely not do no, that. I'll be I'll be laying down in your bathroom floor. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing about do you, so. Do you realize or do you like realizing yourself um, that there are certain things that you can do that help mitigate some of that? Like, like is it like like having some sort of routine, like a daily routine of like maybe like yes. religion or working out eating healthy and do you find that like if you don't follow those things that you it's easier for you to go off the rails um i have to be i i am very mindful of um where i'm at mentally um when especially when craving and urges come on i really articulate the situation and what, cravings you mean like how you would crave like food like is it um, the same like kind of like say if like I had a, I had a craving come on, I think it might've been two weeks ago. It was midnight on a Saturday night. I'm just sitting there watching Netflix. So it's not like something that's induced by environment or anything like that. No. It's just like you, it, it, your brain well, wants well, it. Well, so everybody's different. Um, a lot of mine in the past was not like I could be out golfing with friends and watch them drink and I wouldn't get triggered. Um, a lot of my, a lot of my previous triggers were negative self-talk, especially last year. Um, feeling like even when I moved out and when I moved out of the house into the apartment, feeling like a piece of shit person, like a piece of shit dad, just not a good dad, not a good person. Um, that's where a lot of mine triggers were coming in. And now I don't have that, but I still, the urges and cravings still come and go. And there's nothing that will, um, there's nothing, one thing that will set it off. Like last time I was here, Dave, and I told you about one I had about just throwing bar soap in the, in the grocery cart. So it can come out of nowhere and Harry can attest to this. And, um, no, that's his post from a couple minutes ago, but Harry did your, you can, you can chime in with your, your post there. These cravings come out of nowhere. You could be having a great day. I mean, obviously it happened with me. And so when, and, and at that, you know, at that particular time, I got away from my routine is, or my routine, what was keeping me sober. And I was delving into, I was delving into other things that I wasn't ready to delve into yet. And now I've got, I've set boundaries on myself to not do certain things in, until I get a certain time under my belt. Um, like what? Um, back in the middle of the summer, even before then, I started mentoring and I wasn't, 
I had no business mentoring yet. Like somebody else who was a yes, in recovery. In recovery. Um, I was, and I started chasing their sobriety. So I was putting their sobriety above mine. I was making their sobriety more of a priority than mine. I was, I was calling these, these couple guys and like, cause Hey, Ron, I need, I need your help. Okay. I'm here when you need me. And then it turned into, I was calling and checking up on them. And, um, one of the guys, he started asking for money and I would give him money. And you know, the shit thing of it is he, he would be like, I need money for food. The first time I was like, well, how much do you need? And then he asked two more times and the increments got smaller. And it's like, and I told him, I'm not going to say his name, but I told him, I was like, what are you going to buy nowadays for that amount of money? And so instead of being a coach, I started, I became an enabler. And I was chasing at that same time, I was chasing his sobriety and Harry can attest to this too. It's, um, whatever, whatever you put above your sobriety, you will lose. So, okay. So Sarge wants you to explain to the folks, um, what you explained to us the other day about the parts of the brain and the pleasure part of the brain, the connection, the way the wavy lines versus short line, short, straight lines. Oh that we talked yeah, about. absolutely. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, so I was putting, we'll get there. I promise Sarge. Um, so I was putting stuff above my, above, I was putting, I was putting other stuff, making other stuff priority above my sobriety. Um, resentment started growing in. And at that point I, I let complacency set in. And, um, I firmly believe that's, where the relapse happened the relapse the 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 lapse or the relapse actually happens before the first drink because of the factors that go into why the drink happened mm -hmm. so i looking back at it i feel like the lapse actually started to happen back in june maybe beginning of june so now that i go forward what sort of things did you stop doing that um stop going to meetings okay um i was trying to mentor and be that crutch for other people yep. before I was ready. Um, the one term you always hear kind of here is make sure you got your oxygen mask on before you help anybody else. <laughs> I didn't have my oxygen mask on. So going forward um, before I help anybody and even take anybody's call, it's going to be at least a year and a half, two years before I take on any kind of mentorship role. Um, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, I had a guy that I was in, in, um, when I was just in the rehab this last time, he was there at the beginning of the year, um, or the end of the year. I can't remember which day it was, but he had texted me. Um, we were kind of checking in with each other. How you doing today? How you doing today? How you doing today? And then I get a text from him. He's like, dude, you're going to hate me. I relapsed. And I'm like, I'm never going to hate you, bro. Are you okay? He's like, nope. Um, I'm living in my car right now. And I have relapsed in drinking as we speak. Now, the old me last summer or beginning of summer me would have been, hey, dude, get your ass up here. I got an extra room. You can stay with me. And that didn't come out of my mouth because I know I can't do that. And I won't. 
because that was my downfall before chasing somebody else's sobriety. So my, my suggestion was to him was reach out to your pastor and see if the church will help you. Um, it's all the help I could give him. Yeah. It, it, it hurt not to offer more, but I know I can't, I had, I have to get me right first before I can help anybody else. And I am not there yet. And it takes it to this point, dude, it, it almost wants to bring tears to my eyes knowing that I have to say no to people who are struggling or hurting, but I know for the long term, for me and my family and my friends, I have to say no. Yeah. It's most important to, yes. to worry about yourself in this yes. moment. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, Harry said, I lean on religion and uh, AA not as much as I should, but that, that works for me. I have a strong support system as well that checks in constantly as well. But in... What kind of support system do you have? I mean, obviously you have friends, you have um, your, you have the IPO, right? Is that, is that what it's called? IOP. IOP. Same thing. I, initial, <laughs> initial, the initial public offering. Or we, did you just watch a Wolf of Wall Street? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have, I have that, uh, what, what's called the aftercare group now. Um, and then um, I have smart recovery meetings that I go to. Um, and then my church that I attend. And then um, I have since reached back out to my peer recovery coach, which is like a sponsor, but without doing AA sponsored steps. Have you done AA? I have. Does it work for you? No. No. Nope. Why not? Um, to each is their own. Um, AA is a step-based, more religion-based um, program. And smart recovery is more on the science side. And um, I like the science side a little bit better because it, you know, what kind of things do they teach you in the science side? Like how the, how the brain, how the brain. Okay. Yep. How the brain stuff like that. Okay. So is that where you learned all that stuff from? No, um, actually um, Harry knows a lot of this stuff too. They teach you a lot of how the, how the brain operates while in rehab. And then just, you know, kind of looking at, um, looking at stuff since I, when I got out and then just looking back at some of my notes that what I've learned and yeah. So when you go into rehab, um, clearly like you're, you're trying to sober up when you first go in, but what is that whole time? Like you spend 30 some days in there, 28 to 30 some days. Uh, yeah. The, what is, what is it like? Are you, are you going to classes? Yes. All right. So the first few days, um, you are in what they call detox or at Skywood Recovery, they called it, you're an assessment. So basically they're just monitoring you big time for the first three days, maybe four, depending on how bad you are when you come in. They're taking vitals every, God, it's, for the first couple of nights, I think they might be taking your vitals every two hours during the night. Um, and then they put you on volume. You're on volume because you cannot alcohol. You cannot just quit cold Turkey. Um, it will, you can actually die from it. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if Harry, I don't know. I could part Harry. I don't know if you mind if I put part of yours out there, but you can go into seizure mode is what's why they put you in volume. Um, 
they put you on Valium for five days and it goes, they put you on, you're on it. You take Valium four times. It goes four times a day. Four, four, three, four, four, three, three, two, one. And then you're, you're, they kind of like taper you off right there, but it's to help you, it's to help you to make sure you don't seizure while you're detoxing because you can die from it. Yep. So Harry had Harry, who's right here. He had two seizures, um, while at rehab and you can still have the, you can still have the seizures even while you're being medically watched. But if you go cold turkey, that or on, I'm going to mess this word up, but if you quit cold turkey on um, alcohol and the benzodiazepines, benzos, yes, we'll just say benzos. (laughs) If you quit those cold turkey, benzodiazepines, yes, yeah. If you quit those cold turkey, you can die. Yeah. So, and then after that, they, at Skywood, they, you go to what they call residential and then you're in class every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, what kind of Sunday. Things, what kind of things are you learning? Um, the first part of the day, you go through um, what they call process group. And it's to learn how to, you you go around and you tell how you're feeling that morning. Just, you got to give two feelings. And there's, it's not like any kind of, re, any kind of like a sobriety meeting, like AA or smart, I pass. There's no passing. They don't let you pass or say, I don't know. There's none of that. So in the morning you go through what they call a process group and you have to give two feelings and then you explain why you're feeling that way. And is what that's doing, it's getting you ready to, it's getting you ready for when you do leave, you can, you can social, you can be comfortable telling. So like, if I can, I'm, if I'm not comfortable, um, getting my feelings, expressing my feelings to somebody, what process group does, it gets you ready. So when you leave rehab, you can not only process your feelings, but social, uh, express it to somebody. Right. I'm feeling this way. So it gets you. So if you're not used to doing that, you're, you're, you're used to doing it. It's the purpose of that. So you can tell people how you're feeling. Yes. yes. So that you're not. And is what's funny is like a lot of people, oh, sorry. A lot of people when they get there, they're uncomfortable. I don't want to do two feelings. Well, you got to do it. <laughs> so they do it fast, but it gets to a point. It's like, I cannot wait to do process group. And the, that's one of the favorite classes. It's the, not even a class. It's one of the favorite groups. And then they only do it Monday through Thursday. So Friday, it's like when Friday comes around, it's like, fuck, I wish we had process group. <laughs> <laughs> so everything there is with a purpose. And a lot of people don't realize that. And part of that process group is to get you ready for when you leave, you're comfortable expressing you how expressing your feelings and how you feel with somebody. Cause a lot of times before you go in, you're not expressing your feelings. You're holding that stuff in, which is why you you're relax, compressing why right? you're drinking. Yeah. Cause you're, you're holding that stuff in. You're not, you're not venting that stuff out and getting it out to somebody that way. That's, it's like a pressure tank. Right. And then, um, after that, then you go into, um, you'll have some different classes like uh, ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and then um, DBT, which is dialectic or dialectical 
behavioral therapy. And um, it all has to do, it all has to come back with acceptance and commitment therapy is just accepting where you're at. And, and then um, the cognitive behavior comes with how to the, the thinking, the thought process of it. And then dialectical is under the same umbrella of CBT, but bo both of those are under the umbrella of ACT. Mm. And then um, in some of those classes too, um, you were, you learn how, how it changes the brain, how it rewires your brain and how, you know, in, and other things too, like alcohol will actually, it can change the DNA and gene strain in you. Like it changes your DNA and it changes the genes and DNA. How so? It starts the way it rewires your brain, the, the chemical, the, the chemical uh, wiring in your brain. Um, some of it will, when you quit drinking, will go back to normal, but some of it doesn't, unfortunately. And then that's what uh, Tony was talking about right there. Um, how um, now the St. My Words, this is how I understand it and how I've, how I learned it. Like your prefrontal cortex is where your executive decision making and all that and your, your, mm -hmm. and um, uh, your, your thoughts are. And then behind that, you have the limbic system and under that you have the VTA. And in, within all that, the limbic, you got your mig, your amygdala, not your, not your medulla obligata, which makes <laughs> crocodiles smile. But um, your the reward pathway is changed. Um, so how a normal, what we call a normie, when um, when when a person drinks, they they uh goes from the limbic system to the prefrontal cortex it's at a slow pace and somebody like me who 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 has abused alcohol the way i have it goes now it goes straight down to the vta which is the ventral tegramental area and so now i go now when my dopamine is released it goes straight oh there we go Bring up that neuroscience. Yeah. <laughs> and right, hold on, let me. And so okay. So so it, it, uh, and then a uh, oh that just got loud and then a lot of is what happens is with people that reward pathway, like what you experience, mm -hmm. you'll experience it a little bit slower than when, how, I, how the reward pathway works. Like you, it, it goes from that limbic system to the prefrontal cortex, more of a, like in a straight line across where now where my dopamine is released, it goes straight down to the VTA, which is like, dopamine on steroids that's crazy um hold on and so like i was explaining to tony last week like i was at least a fifth a day drinker and if i was not to i would drink at least a fifth a day maybe more 
And so if I, from here to this point, if I don't drink for 20 years, I will go straight back into drinking a fifth a day. It won't, it won't start off with just a little, it won't start off with just a little bit. It will, I will go right back into a fifth a day, if not more. Just because that's how that, that reward pathway is now rewired in my brain. And now, and according to a couple of doctors at. Would that be considered like damage? To your brain, in a sense? Yeah. I mean, because you used to be able to drink with no problem. Right. And then now... I you, can't. You can't drink at all because... If I drink, if I have one drink, it is it's balls to the wall, Donkey Kong. I'm telling you, it's... <laughs> it's it, I won't remember what's going on. Do you, do you it, feel it getting worse and worse every time you relapse? Yes. Yeah, like, this one... Um... How I looked, I know what I looked like the day the day of, and it looked like I look now healthy. And what I looked like when I went there within seven days, and I'm sure, I don't know when you got there. I don't know what day you got there. When did you get there? It was like a Wednesday or Thursday. Okay. Actually, it was Thursday because you were going in on a Friday. Yep. So yeah. within a week. I went from looking the way I look now, maybe even a little bit healthier, because now I'm two two and a half months without a drink. Almost, yeah, I'm two and a half months without a drink. At that point, you know, when I relapsed, I was seven and a half months. So I'm sure I looked healthier. So within day, within just a few days, I went from looking healthy to looking like I was 80 years old and just death. It was death. What on that intake picture? Yeah. You're knocking on death's door for sure. And I, and each relapse has gotten worse. <clears throat> I don't know how many more I have in me. Hopefully none. Hopefully you don't well, do you, it again. No, no, <laughs> no. And, and that's, and, and that's the plan not to have another one. Right. Um, but if I have another one, is it going to be my last one? Right. I mean, to like last September, I remember the couple times that I do remember when I get that bad into it, Dave, like even mentally wise, there's a couple times last September I didn't give a shit if I woke up or not. There's, I would say, two or three times I didn't care. I didn't care if I woke up. Didn't care. And as I sit in front of you right now, I cannot believe I had that mindset because I want to live. You have purpose. You have a reason. Right. But. When I drink, I don't care. I don't give a fuck. It's sad. That is sad. Because I know, I, I know, I know there's a purpose for me on this planet. And I was just talking to a guy at work yesterday, and we were in like the hairs on our arms stood up. And I have a purpose on this on this planet going forward for what I've been through. I have a purpose and I haven't grasped how big it's going to be, but I know it's going to be big and I have to be around for it and I want to be around for it. Part of the purpose is you sharing your story and your experience and your knowledge surrounding it. Right. And I can't wait to learn more. Just hopefully it's out of rehab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and you know, and, I'm always listening to stuff just because now I'm really 
enthralled on learning more about it. Um, the Huberman lab. Mm-hmm. That's a good I, one. That's a, that's a really good one on how the brain works. Yep. He's a neuroscient or neuro, um, pro, uh, scientist, neuroscientist slash professor from Stanford. Yeah. Yep. Um, and just reading and learning. And once I get past, um, what's going to happen next Wednesday or not is going to determine when I start doing what I want to do. We should probably explain what that is because you mentioned it twice now, um, but you have a possibility okay. of going to jail. Yes. Uh, for a long period of time, a long period of time. And let, let's, you don't have to give the reason why, but let's explain like what the thought process is on why they want to send you to jail and if that would be beneficial or not. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll share. I don't care. And why oh. it would be beneficial or not. Um, okay, so I was put on probation a little over a year ago. Actually, if I would have stayed, if this relapse wouldn't have happened, I would have been off probation last Monday. Um, that's how close I was to being off probation. But um, when I had this lapse, when I had this lapse, um, first, well, when I had the la- when I had the lapses back at the end of the year, beginning of this last year, the rehab visits. Um, every time I avoided my probation officer, like the plague, <laughs> I <laughs> couldn't imagine why <laughs> I was fucking, <laughs> man, I was fucking scared to call her. I was, I was just scared, embarrassed, ashamed. And then after the last one, it, something hit on that. Even though, even though I went back to pine rest for five days after the last one, something hit me in that third one where I was rated. All right. It's time. I'm going to run at my problems with full force. So I, when I got out in February, I had realized that there was a bench warrant out for my arrest for a failure to appear for a probation violation back in January, in the beginning of January. So I got out, I went to work for one day. And when I went to work on that day, I knew I was going to jail that night without even talking to anybody because I knew what my plan was. I went straight to the union center and got a hold of or the, the committee guy and told him what was going on. And so I worked one day and turned myself in. And the probation officer looked at me and she goes, you know, of course, slapped me on the wrist a little bit. But when I walked out, she pretty much said, man, you just got to stay in contact with me. I am I am here to hurt, help you, not hurt you. And I, I went to jail for 10 days. And when I got in front of the judge 10 days later, my probation violation was sentenced only for five days. So I did double the time. And so I got released pretty much right away. Um, stayed sober, was healthy in recovery. And then the relapse happened in mid-August. And then the First minute I could make a phone call at Skywood, which was, I got there on a Friday and I might've, I can't remember if I called her on a Sunday night or a Monday night. Um, they don't, while you're in, while you're in rehab, you do not get to use the phones. They cut you off from the outside world. I mean, you can use the phones, but it's, it's 15 minutes every few days. It, um, so I gave her a message. Hey, I'm back at, I'm back at Skywood. This is what happened. We stayed in touch with her even during um, 
talked to her with my therapist, had a conversation with my therapist with her. Then I had another conversation with her with my primary, not my primary, not my, I'm getting the acronyms messed up. My, uh, one of the other people that help you, that's called the PCC and a patient care coordinator. And we had a conversation with her and I got home September 29th, which is the same day our plant went on strike. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the day I got out. I got home and I even emailed her late at night. I'm home. And then I had to meet, I met with her Monday morning and um, we had a good conversation. It was good. What happened? You know, Ron, what happened? You're doing so good. And I'm like, I'm like, man, I said, if you would have asked me, you know, a month ago, I wouldn't have been able to answer that. And I answered it for, you know, this is what happened. And, um, told her what I am doing now. And I, I haven't even expressed everything, what I'm doing now differently. And we'll get there, but come a few, few weeks later with the uh, probation violation summons, I had the recommendation came down that I, she wants to put me in jail for six months to a year. Recommendations from her. Recommendations from her. To the judge. Now, yes, to the judge. Now, mind you, all my rehab visits, all my IOPs, aftercare groups, and everything that meeting I am doing, nothing is court ordered. I am doing it on my own volition because I am trying to, I will never beat this, but I'm trying to figure out how to live with this in a healthy lifestyle. And it's just bananas that she can make a comment to me that I am here to help you, not hurt you. But her recommendation to, and what she said to me on that day, when I had to meet with her on October 25th, she looked right at me, Dave, and said three times to me, you've been to rehab four times in the last year. Do you really think it's helping you? And I said, I am sitting in front of you alive. Yes, it's helping me. One of the last comments she made to me, she's like, obviously probation ain't working for you because you've been to rehab four times. So obviously probation ain't working for you. And I said, you know what? You're right. I don't like probation, but rehab is, I said, once again, rehab is working for me because I'm sitting in front of you. And I said, I don't care if I have to go four more times or 14 more times. And if I have to go 14 more times, and if I make it through 14 I said, I'm going to be grateful and appreciative that I'm alive because there's a lot of people in this world that don't make it to the second one. And now I feel like, and I might be, you know, I've had a few conversations with people and I know I get it. I violated my probation, but man, I am doing everything right. I'm not trying to play the game or play the system or pull the wool over anybody's eyes. I, everything I'm doing is on my own. It's not court ordered. And here you, you want to throw the, you want to literally throw the keys away. And I'd, and, and I've been in jail. There's no fucking programs in jail to help. You sit there and fucking watch TV and play cards, eat honey buns and (laughs) trade your trays away. Yeah. So the things that are keeping you sober right now, you won't have access to once you go to jail. You're even on medication to help keep you sober. Oh, yep. yep. You we, didn't, we didn't even discuss that. No. The, I'm on medication right now. You know, it, for 
you guys that are listening now or will be listening, there's there's medication I'm on. Um, in the morning, I take medication to. Um, what do you take? It's called naltrexone, and that that uh is what naltrexone does is it curves your craving. It curves the cravings. So I'll still get the cravings. It's just they're very minimal when the the intensity is minimal, and the amount goes goes down as well. The medication I take at night is called I can I'm not I can't give you the medical term I'm a, I'll mess it up but it's called <laughs> it's called it's called anabuse. I take that one time a night or one time a day and I take that at night and I don't know but I've been told if you drink alcohol any form of alcohol while you're on anabuse, you will become instantly crab red get heart palpitations and start vomiting everywhere. Oh my gosh. So I am not going to test. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to now, uh, now in heavy, in heavy addiction or heavy drinking, I don't care if I'm throwing up. I don't care because that's more, more room for my stomach to take in more alcohol. Right. But I, you know, I don't want to test this. Right. I, mean, I don't want to drink anyway. So. Yeah. But it's just crazy that. Is that something that you wanted to go on or? Yes. Yeah. It, yes. This is, this is my own doing. Because Why wasn't that suggested prior to this previous relapse? You know what? Back in the, it was. It was, it was, it was recommended back in at Skywood my first three times, but I figured I, I didn't want to do it. You don't want to take medication. Right. I didn't want to take medication, but, um, when it comes to relapsing there, you got your planners and your impulsor, your impulsors, and I'm an impulsor. So I could stop taking this antabuse right now. Excuse me. I could stop taking this antabuse right now and it'll run in my system for two weeks. So I could be done taking it today and decide to have a drink a week from now and I'll, it'll still have the same reaction as if I'm on it. Wow. So you can't plan it. So I can't, <laughs> I, can, I can't plan it. So that's another, that's along with the, the, the IOPs and the meetings and the aftercare groups, I am on medication to um, help prevent another relapse. So going to jail, you wouldn't have access to that as well? At all. At all. I'm telling you, the look in her eyes, she did not give a fuck. She did not give so a fuck. Do you think it's that she doesn't understand what addiction is like? I think I think it looking, she thinks you have a choice in the matter. I think in her, looking at her eyes, it is just it's I think she thinks it's a flat out it could be a flat out choice or it could be it's just her nature in her position of her job. I think she might have to look at every probationer or client, however you want to say it, as the same. But and it's but in her line of work, it seems like she would be able to tell who's who's bullshit and who's not. Right. Um, Now, I also wanted to highlight because you had mentioned to me that uh, your first your first DUI was in um, was that Ingham County. Yes. And then this is through Clinton County. Yep. Which is also also has a privately owned prison or jail um right okay i i, I bring friend so yeah the dui the owi was in Cl- ingham county and this is in clinton county yes. okay right yep. yep and then i just want to point <laughs> out that there's conflict of interest here where a judge owns or owns part of the jail yes. correct yes and she had mentioned that when you when you brought up to her that oh, um yeah you had gotten arrested you, uh, you got an owi it, you, it was a violation of probation. Yep. And that's why you went to jail. Yep. Well, you turned yourself into rehab because 
you had relapsed. Um, explain that. Explain okay. the whole situation. Okay. I'm, All right. So the OWI happened. Yep. The OWI happened three years ago, almost to the day. In ten days, it'll be three years ago. Um, when when the final when the conviction finally came down, it was a year later. So November of twenty one, when the sentencing finally happened for that. At that point, I was sober for a long time. I might have been sober for almost a year. And so I, I got, I got put on probation for that and strong in recovery. And my probation was for a year and that was through Lansing. And I was doing so well that my probation got cut in half. Probation officer after six months said, you're done. He goes, man, way to do it. You did it. So when I brought this up to my current probation officer, I told her, I was like, you know, that my second probation violation was due to an arrest. It wasn't due to me turning myself into rehab on a self-admitted relapse. I mm -hmm. said I had no police contact. And she looked right at me and she said, that was in Ingham County. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there trying to fight for myself. I'm advocating for myself, Dave. I'm like, I said, I, I was doing so well. My, my last, she goes, oh no, she goes, well, your last probation, you violated. That's how it went, Dave. She goes, your last probation, you violated. And that's why you went to jail. I said, well, no, actually my last probation, I did so well. It got terminated early for six months early. And that's when she looked at me. She said, that was Ingham County though. So the standards are different. Must be, <laughs> must be. <laughs> But it's just crazy that they would rather incarcerate than help rehabilitate. Right. Especially for somebody who is willing and is actively trying to find help. I mean, you, you on your own volition, turn yourself in to rehab. Checked myself into rehab. Yep. Yeah. Not, not turn yourself in. <laughs> checked yourself in. For 131 days, I was away from my family, my friends, work. Voluntarily. Not court ordered. Not one day. Not one minute of it. What was her, her response when you called her and told her that you had relapsed and you're in Skywood now? Um, I didn't get a chance. I didn't talk to her. Um, I, cause the first time I can make a phone call, it was nine o'clock at night. And I can't remember, if, like I said, I can't remember if it was a Sunday or Monday. So, but I wanted to make sure I called her before I even called my kids. Cause I wanted to make sure that I gave her that message that I was back in because when she said, Hey dude, you just gotta be in contact with me. Let me know what's going on. I'm here to I'm here to help, not hurt. Oh, that's so unfortunate. And so it's it's scary, you know what I mean? Because here I am, I, I know I'm doing the right things. And I feel like I'm getting punished for it. And now don't get me wrong, I get it. I viol I violated probation. I know a little punishment should come, but six months to a year. Are you fucking kidding me? Six months. I mean, that's enough time that you could lose literally everything. I mean, you can't, you're going to get so far behind on bills. You, I mean, right. Will I, you lose well, your job? Like, I mean, I, there's so I, many. I don't think I'll lose my job, but fuck, I'll lose my apartment. I'll lose my, I'll lose my, I don't have a house, but I'll lose my apartment. And then whatever else comes that way. And then, and not only that, when you walk out of jail, they hand you a bill. Right. But that, so that last that last time I was in jail for fifty days, or even when I was in when I was in jail for fifty days, it was a nineteen hundred dollar bill, and they handed that to me as I was walking out. Wow. 
That's crazy. That's a lot of money. So if if it comes down to it and I got to do some time, I'm I'm going to be asking for work release because I have an you know, more importantly, Dave, I have a daughter to support. And I have a daughter that and you know, I have a daughter that has a mom that needs help with supporting my daughter. And if I'm in jail for 6 months, I'm not going to be able to give my daughter that support. She needs medical coverage. And because of my job, she's on, I am in charge of that. So I'm going to be asking for work release if it comes down to that. Um, when that recommendation came down a little bit, two days, I was actually on the golf course when it came down. And is what's, this is how strong I am in the recovery. I did not want to drink when that, re, when that recommendation came down, six months to a year. Wow. Didn't even throw my golf game off that day. <laughs> That's how strong I'm, I am mentally. I think a lot of people would have said, what the fuck am I doing this for? Right. But I know what I'm doing it for. I had no urge to drink. So I know what I've been through is working. All the rehabs, all the tools I'm utilizing, all the meetings I'm attending, the people I'm talking to, it's working. Because I could have easily bagged it in and not cared. Or right. not care, but just gave up hope. Let me rephrase that. Right. A lot of people, I think, would have gave up hope, especially after having that meeting with the probation officer a couple of days later when she looks right at you and says, you've been to rehab four times in the last year. Do you really think it's working? If I wasn't strong mentally, I would have, all right, fuck it. I mean, what, what would stop a lot of people in that moment from wanting to drink? Nothing. I mean, Nothing. if you know that you're, it's, it's a possibility that you could lose everything, that you're going to go to jail. What, I mean, what stopped, what stopped me from drinking that day? Cause I know. I what would stop a lot of people from wanting to drink that day is what I'm saying. I don't like know. Most people, I don't know. How, how, I mean, how, how strong are most people in that situation I mentally? Don't, I don't think not very. I don't think not very strong. My opinion, but I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for myself. I'm strong. I know what my purpose is. I know what's coming after all this. But I know a lot of people weren't are aren't strong and they probably would have gave up. And I thank God that I know what my purpose is. That I didn't just mail it in that day or those two days or even up to this point. I had I had a fuck of a day yesterday because I had to go when I had to go upstairs and sign paperwork. It threw me in a funk for the day because I had to the day before I was like, I'm going to go in there and fight. I'm I'm going to die on my sword. Yesterday, I had actually I had to sign the paperwork for incarceration leave and it just threw me in a funk for the day. I could have mailed it in yesterday, but I know what my purpose is, is going forward. What do you uh what do you think your purpose is? It's to help. I'm going to be, it's to help people. Not only people, but families go through, help people go through what I've been through and maybe, maybe help deter a death, help deter a divorce or, you know, like kids pulling away from their, their, their loved ones, whether it be, brothers or moms or dads because that's what my kids did they pulled away 
you know, they had to protect themselves. I wish I would have brought that letter my daughter wrote me. And she flat out said I had to pull away to protect myself. And that's why my kids stopped talking to me is because they had to protect themselves. That's why I did that with my mom because I had to pull away because I got tired of being hurt by my mom. So I had to protect myself, my daughter. Well, let me, I put myself before my kids there. I shouldn't have done that. But I had to protect my kids, myself, my wife, or my, you know, my, you know, ex-wife now, but my wife at the time, Heather, I had to protect them guys. And I want to help prevent that. I want to help prevent a death, a divorce. Um, How do you think you'll do that? I can't answer that right now. It's too early. I wanted to, I want to get past this phase first and then I'll realize that after this. My, right now, my, my priority is to stay sober for the next, hour day and just get through what happens next Wednesday. Cause it's, it's, it, it's funny how, like the, how fast the days go now, knowing that my freedom is literally coming to an end for who knows how long, right. Whether it's six months or a year or, you know, and that's another thing that, um, us, us addicts do when we're in the middle of, you know, our, my addict brain still catastrophizes, you know, and fortune tells we, my, my brain will fortune tell and catastrophize. So, you know, yeah, the recommendation is six months to a year, but the judge might look at my, all my paperwork that I'm going to be bringing in. Cause I got, I got paperwork up the wazoo that shows how hard I've been working and who knows judge might say, all right, we're just going to extend your probation. Just stay the fuck out of trouble. Right. Stay, stay away from the drink. Right. I can tell and that I might not have to spend a day in jail, but my, that's what I'm preparing for the worst, or I'm expecting the worst. I'm preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. Yeah. Or expecting the worst and hoping for the best. Yeah. <laughs> this is heavy. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. And then, you know, and on top of it, you know, just with everything that's happened in the last three years, you know, with, all the arrest and all the lawyer fees, the lost wages and this, and it's to even think that I'm going to be gone for six months. I mean, I mean, my bank account's already screaming at me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. I'm trying not to think about, I'm really not trying to think about it right now, but I have to, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, I called my car insurance company today to, to see if I could, you know, the put storage fee or storage insurance and stuff like that. That way it's, I can still keep the car insurance or, or if I'm, I have to park my car at somebody's house, to, you know, ask backwards. So the tags ain't pointing towards the road. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as much as, as much as this is, it's bad. And, you know, we obviously don't want you to go to jail for six months or whatever, but the worst thing that does ha that happens to you is the worst thing that happens to you. And I know that anything that you go through, I mean, you've already been through a ton of shit, ton, a ton of shit, ton of shit. And it just makes you stronger Yeah, in the end. Mm -hmm. And so anything that you, anything that comes your way, you'll, you'll tackle. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, I'm not let, let I could have easy. Let this beat me over the last couple of weeks, but, it's not. Yeah. It's not. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna have a fun tonight. The next couple nights go back to work. I'm gonna work Monday and Tuesday like nothing's going on and you know, I'll be in front of the, the judge Wednesday morning at nine nine thirty. But 
Um, yeah, I think what we were here to do today was, you know, it's just addiction in the thralls of addiction, people are going to pull away. And it's not that you're pushing people away, but people are going to pull away. And fortunately, man, I've got a solid core group of friends, you know, like you, Koya, Alex, um, Caitlin, uh, who else? Um, everybody that's out there, you know, Julie, uh, and you guys are a solid core group of friends that I can honestly call family for the rest of my life. And it, it feels good to have you guys, you know, like when I text you, I'm about to start crying right now, man. And I'm like, <laughs> when I'm texting you guys at times, it's like, I feel very, it's, it takes, sometimes it takes everything not to say every time I'm texting you guys, man, I appreciate the fuck out of you guys because every time I get out of a rehab or, um, and I see you guys for the first time, it's like a, it's a big bear hug and, you know, and I feel very fortunate that for my core friends, cause you don't even the, some of the guys at church, you know, I know they love me, man. And I know you guys love me and I love you guys right back. And it's fortunate. I feel fortunate to have that solid core friends out of you, Alex, Koya, you know, Caitlin, Julie, all them guys, you know, and, and I know, you know, like I, I told Julie a couple times, I was like, man, I owe you my life. She's like, no, you don't. She's like, the only way you pay me back is to stay sober. And I said, you got it. I understand her. <laughs> <laughs> and same thing to you. you know, like I, you know, I did not, you know, I did not know you were there. So, you know, I owe you a ton of thank yous for helping Caitlin out that night, you know, and I know there's nothing I can do to pay you back. And, but just to, you know, help figure out how to live with, I'll never beat it. And that, that's the thing is like, I always thought I could beat it, but now I'm accepting the fact that I can't beat this, but I have to figure out how to live with it with a healthy lifestyle. Right. You know what I mean? So well, I, I think that's what we all want to see you do. We all love you and care about you. We know that you're not this piece of shit. You're not like a raging alcoholic who just can't help himself who just goes around beating people and you know, whatever it, it truly is a disease and we can see it. We see how it affects you and right. we see that, you know, you are actively trying to change and you're trying to act actively stay sober. Mm -hmm. And it's just every now and then it seems to take over. And then it's once it does, it just, it runs and, and you can't control it. And, and unfortunately this time, like when we're got out, that had lapsed again is like people are like yeah i'm not surprised and that was one of the things in the letter from my daughter too she's like now when i hear relapse i'm not surprised and i'm like fuck that was one of the things she's like yeah, i'm not surprised when he has a relapse yeah that's and that's that's sad when you hear that from a 16 year old it is sad but that's what fuels my fire too too to figure this out that's your purpose yes yeah you want you want to be able to see your grandkids one day absolutely absolutely but i know like i said earlier i know what my purpose is it's just i haven't i haven't figured out how big this purpose is going to be uh mama sarge said i'll be praying for you ron i know it's hard to see you now see it now but it's going to be okay Mama Sarge, I know it's going to be okay <laughs> i'm um, telling you she needs to be like uh <laughs> on this podcast 
I, I, she needs to join us virtually. I, I would love to see that. Just seeing the couple podcasts that you guys have had before and the the, <laughs> the things going back and forth. and It's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. It is. It's cool to like have people engage. I, I really do enjoy these live podcasts because yeah, then you can get this. You see, you see how many people are watching, um, which right now is not a lot, but five people steadily through this whole episode have been watching this. And then you get people engaging, which is really cool, especially for something like this where people can engage with you and like you know. right. And I it's awesome because Harry and I, um, we've been in we've been to rehab twice together and literally for two months together we were we were kicking it at at Skywood and but one of our the the first time I went is when I met Harry and then the second the second time I walked in twelve days later and we looked at each other and we looked at each other like, like, is that Harry? <laughs> and Harry looked at me. He's like, is that Ron? That's a and, home alone moment. And, yeah. Harry, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, we got Harry and I got really close on that second one. And, uh, um, I know Harry's, I know Harry's been battling too. And I know Harry will get this as well. He's doing, Harry's doing really successful right now with this. So, <laughs> uh Sarge said you'll get 150 uh who will watch it later possibly i hope so that'd be cool um and then sarge said i'm three blocks away from her right now so i'm just agreeing with everything she says <laughs> <laughs> oh shut up now now they're going back and forth in the comments. that's funny <laughs> But yeah, we, that first time I was on this, we didn't really get into the meat and potatoes of this, but man, if you, if anybody listening to this later, I know, or you, there's, there is help out there. There is help out there. And, um, like you might think it might be over, but life ain't over, man. It it does get better. It does get better. It never looks like it gets better. And then when you're in that moment, it doesn't look like it could get any, any better. It no. just seems like it's going to get worse. It, but, go ahead sorry Dave. no but like to your point it always does get better because that's the worst it can possibly get right and like each each time you relapse or each time you lapse or relapse it feels like the hole that you fall in is even deeper and that the ladder to climb out is even longer like a longer hike and is what's funny is not funny haha but this relapse even though um it was just a week or whatever Dude, this one felt more rock bottom because the reason it felt more rock bottom than the ones before is because I was doing so good. And it's like, what the fuck happened? Mm. And looking back at it, it's like, I didn't even, I didn't argue with nobody that day. Nothing happened. It was a great day. I had a great day at work. It was sunny out. I had a healthy dinner. It's like, why the fuck did that happen? I mean, that's just a true testament right there that it's not environment, like, it's not environmental, right? That it's, it's truly a disease yes, and that it's something that you're constantly fighting. Yes. I mean, now I carry something in my wallet where it's almost like a, it's just a small little placard card to help when I've got, I've got one in my wallet in the back of my visor and, um, I laminated it. First line says, uh, breathe. Um, next one says do push ups. I'm a push ups. Um, so, it says, breathe, go for a walk, do push-ups, listen to music, call someone now, and you got this. So now I carry, like, this little placard. Wow. 
wherever I go, I've got it with me. And so, and then I got one on the back of my visor and then I got one on my, on my refrigerator. So when the impulse moments go, it's whether I'm in my car or your car, somebody else's car, I've got it on me at all times. Have you had to do, do those things? No, yet? nope, not yet. No. Nope. Um, so is the point to distract you from yes, the thoughts? Yes. Um, you know, what's funny is, um, that one of the first might've been my second therapy session with Laura at Skywood. She's like, what could have you done differently at that party store? And I'm like, I'm like, well, I could have done this, you know, I said, I could have done pushups in the parking lot, but I would have looked like an idiot doing pushups in a parking lot on 127. I said, I would look like an idiot, Laura. She goes, I would have done the pushups. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. She goes, yeah, but Laura is such a good therapist. She just doesn't, Laura's the type of therapist. She doesn't give you the answer. She makes you, she makes you find your own answer. And, um, so my next time in, I was like, you know what, next time I'm going to do pushups in that parking lot. Cause I'd still be sober now. And I said, who gives a fuck if I'm doing pushups on 127? I said, yeah, people drive by me thinking what's that fucking idiot doing pushups for, but two seconds after they're past me, they're going to forget about me. Right. But guess what? I'll be sober. Right. And there's other things too that I think played a played a part in this relapse, and 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 Julie's probably going to kick my ass if I don't bring it up because she brought it to my attention is that all these last few years of relapses have been right around the same time my dad passed away. So I even worked on that in Skywood. What part. what about it is so significant? I mean, I know that your dad. Um, Obviously, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. But like, were you really close to him? We had gotten really close right okay. before he passed away, or a, a few years before he had passed away. We had gotten really close. And it took a big toll. Yeah, on yeah. yeah. Um, and so every year, August, September, I would drink, and so we brought that up. And then as guy would, I did a few things to, um, to kind kind of deal with his death, um, like his gravesite here he's been passed away for 10 years his gravesite um i have maybe visited his gravesite three or four times in 10 years and then so part of the therapy or part of the process to help deal with his death is i had to paint a rock in memoriam for my dad and then this place is on an old golf course so i went and put this rock what would be the old first fairway and i put it probably about where i figured my where i would hit a drive a good drive with my with a tee shot and um i buried it i didn't bury it but i placed it out there and i visited that rock five times while i was there within four weeks wow. so i visited that rock and talked to my dad more times this last time in skywood than i have his gravesite up here wow so knowing that I'm healing with that as well now. And, um, Julia told me, she goes, I will know that you have kind of beat this when you can get past a month of September without drinking. Mm. And I didn't notice that until she, she had brought it up. And then I said something to my therapist and that makes sense because last year in September, you were texting me the month that you didn't remember. And you're like, I was at work. And I'm like, where are you at? And you're like, I'm at home watching, and you took it like a, a, a picture of watching Top Gun. I'm like, get your ass to work. What are you doing? And then, 
And then um, you're like talking about how you were going to go visit your dad's grave. You're like, I think I'm going to go see my dad. And I'm like, is your is your dad alive? And you're like, no, he's 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 been gone for like ten years. But like, he I want to go see him, bring him some Mountain Dew in a in like a NASCAR or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, those must be his favorite things. <laughs> and and three packs of cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I even uh, even worked on with that. And I'm I'm gonna continue to work with that, work on that as well with grieving that process. But it feels good now because I've since Skywood and I started working that up there. Um, there's a couple other exercises I had to do while I was up there as well. So I feel like I feel like I've gotten a little bit further in that grieving process with him. So we'll see, we'll see. But yeah. I feel I feel great right now. Even even going to jail, I feel good, or the potential of going to jail, I feel right. good. I feel good. good. I'm not. I'm not gonna let the probation officer beat me. It's not gonna fucking happen. Uh, all right. So, Mama Sarge said, "The deeper the hole, the more you learn." And then Sarge said, "I need to step away, gentlemen. Going to watch the remainder on recorded show. Don't hesitate to reach out, Ron. Uh, what you and Harry are doing is nothing short of brave. Truly brave." And then Harry said, "Some of my hardest moments are when things are going good." It's easy to stay sober when everything sucks. That's true. That's true. Because when shit is, you have more of that ambition to stay sober when shit is sucky. When things are good, you you really let your guard down. You're bored, right? You get bored. It's like it's like anything. Complacency. It's like it's like when you have nothing to do, it's easy to get in trouble, right? <laughs> Idle hands or the <laughs> what do they say? Idle hands are the devil's playground or something like that. <laughs> And then Mama Sarge said, "Add read your Bible to your list of things to do to help uh, to, that will help you. Jesus and science work very well together." Amen to that, Mama Sarge. I, I totally agree with that, man. There's been some great Bible verses I've learned over the last couple of weeks going to men men's Bible studies on Mondays. Um, my church and another church they kind of work together now on some of these uh, on some of these men's groups, and there has been some really good. Bible study nights and some really good verses. Don't ask me to click them off right now because I can't unless I got my my book in front of me. But there's some really holy cow moments when you're reading the Bible. So yes, I do agree with that, Mama Sarge. Um, what do you expect to happen? I mean, do you think you're going to go to jail? Do you? I, fuck, 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 Dave. I don't know, man. Part of me, one minute, part of me tells me I'm going to jail. The next moment says I'm not. Um, like I said, I'm expecting the worst and hoping for the best. Yeah. Um, if you don't go to jail, what, what do you think life's going to look like for you? Um, good. It's going to be good. Um, I know, I know where the cracks happened and I know how to prevent those this time, it, this time in rehab. Um, I think, I think a few people thought that I, when I got out, I was starting from square one. And I'm not starting from square one, which is, which is awesome because it puts me in a better, I feel like this rehab puts me in a better, a better, I don't want to say situation, but a better launching, a launching starting point going forward because mm -hmm. the first few rehabs at, a year ago, I was, I was still trying to figure out what rehab and recovery was. You know what I mean? Like the first couple months I was going to get sober, the third month I really worked on recovery. So I was starting from square one. Now, like when I left, 
I felt like instead of like maybe walking in at square 50, I might've been at square 45. I might only took a couple steps backwards. So now I wasn't starting on square one. Now the launching point is even better because now I know where those cracks in the foundation of recovery were. That makes sense because I remember last year when you went into rehab, um, every single time you get out, you're like, all right, I'm out. And then uh, like a day or two later, you'd be like, or whatever when it right but, right before you went back in you'd be like i'm going back tomorrow yeah like, what why but then this time when you went in i knew you were going in and then when you got out you were out you're out you're fine you're mm -hmm. good mm -hmm. so um, there was even i think one point my therapist like she was looking at me he's like i think you're good at like day 21 you can go home i'm like no <laughs> she goes she goes that's how well you're doing right now i said i know i'm doing well but no because I, I knew I wasn't ready to leave at day 21. I knew I wasn't ready to leave at day 30. Day 30, yes, but what's wrong with five more days? Right. I, like I said before, people don't get these opportunities, and I need to make sure this is my last one. Because right. the next one might be my last day on earth. Right. Fuck that. Yeah, let's not. Let's not make that so, happen. Um, I got a purpose, and like I told you earlier, I... Dude, this is this is awesome. This is something I want to do. You know, like I was telling you yesterday, this is something I want to do. I want to I want to start one of these eventually. A podcast. Yes. What would your podcast be about? Who knows? Is it start off with just telling your story. Addi addiction and recovery. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's get some people in there that, you know, that's the thing. The difference between AA to AA and smart is AA is pure alcohol. And with smart recovery, it's all forms of addiction like the smart recovery meeting i was on today there was alcoholics drug users there was a gambling dude and a pornographic guy so with smart it's just the whole realm of addiction right or the addiction side right so i think eventually that's what i would like to do is just have all all realms of it I think I that's a, and that's a thing too. When you have something that's creative and you can pour that energy into it, it takes away from the things. It takes away the desire to want to do other things that would, wouldn't be typically beneficial for you, right? Because then you're focusing your en energy and time on something else, right? Something positive. Mm -hmm. I agree to I agree. to an extent, unless to it an extent, because you. because you can easily let that consume you as well. Absolutely, because I remember back in. 15 um when i back in 15 when the when drinking really took over for a hard real hard bit and then somebody confronted me then i let weightlifting take over to the extent of where i was making people wait to go out to dinner like they'd be waiting on me like you, <laughs> you have to wait a half hour i gotta get these last little sets in. i have gains to get <laughs> so you you have to really watch what you're doing yeah and I mean, I, I have a very addictive personality with a lot of things like podcasting's one, uh, weightlifting's another, but I don't get addicted to substances at all. I don't, I don't experience that. Right. Except for caffeine. <laughs> and that's a drug. That is a drug. It's, it is a drug. It's, I think it's even more addictive than nicotine. I would not I be a bit surprised. <laughs> I think, I think caffeine is above nicotine. Yeah. I don't hold me to it, guys, but I do believe that is correct. That or caffeine is above nicotine, and I think they might actually—I might be wrong—but I think caffeine might be classified as a drug now. It should be. 
I think it, I think it is. It has the same responses as a drug. It will. And that's the thing about, you know, food, porn, gambling, um, it, that dopamine release and that reward of that dopamine hit you get Mm -hmm. is, it can be, it's astronomical. I mean, I was a, I was a gambler at one point and you know, what's funny is like, I had, I had as much thrill losing an $800 pot as I did winning an $800 pot. Wow. Watching $800 go. I had that same thrill as when I was scooping one in. The gambling thing is so strange to me because I know somebody that is a gambling addict and I went to the casino with him, not knowing what kind of gambling addict he was. (laughs) And he was sitting at a slot machine and, he was doing like hundred dollar spins, and he's just like, ching, ching, hundred dollar spins, whatever. Holy I don't even, cow! They were there were a lot of. <laughs> he went through like five hundred dollars within like minutes, and then it's just like a moment of just sadness when he lost it all. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, are you sure you want to do that? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. But you could just tell the look in his eyes, like he almost got like glazed over, like he was just like, like so full of happiness in that moment. Like he was just sucking in, sucking in everything, the lights and the sounds and just everything. I have, it's I have so strange. It it's, it's bananas to see. And it, well, I'm sure you've probably experienced it too with weightlifting don't, or when you're training for your marathon, you have to hit that runner's high when you you're get training. A high, yeah. You have to hit it. I know I hit it when I was training for a half marathon. Yeah. You get a runner's high, but it's not an addiction. The high is not an addiction. It's, and like when you're running, you're not necessarily chasing that high. Right. It's not as intense as right. that. Right. <laughs> There's but something different that happens. And I don't know, maybe it's because you're expending your energy. Could be. I don't know. But, but I have that same addictive personality as you have because back in the early 2000s, at one point, I had never rode a wave runner. And within a year and a half, I had won a world title race in wave runners. <laughs> I went from never riding a wave runner to winning a world title within a year and a half. That's that's me with everything, which is amazing for one that you won that. That's awesome because you want to be the best. Like right yeah. now, you want to be the best at it. Like right now, yeah, it's a problem. It is. It, it really is a problem. You can't just do it for leisure. But I'm glad. I'm I am glad for people that haven't had to go through what I've gone through and I feel bad for the people I not, not bad. I empathize and sympathize for the people that have, and I can't wait to help eventually, but I will get myself right before I start mentoring. And, um, like I said, I know what my purpose is and it's, it's, I just haven't put, I cannot have not grasped my hands and how big it is yet. And I know it's going to be huge, whether it's not only helping people, but man, I would love to start talking to, I want to start talking to people and like legislature and council people or however it may go, man, we have to, we have to rehabilitate and not incarcerate. You know what I mean? Cause we're putting people, we're putting people at, it's my story. Ain't the only one I've heard. Yeah. It. I've heard it in rehab too. And I've seen it on, I've read it and seen it on TV. People are getting put away for when they should just, we need help. Something else, something else needs to be done. And, you know, we brought this up the other day in one of the meetings and it's like, what can we do differently? I'm like, this question can't be answered in 10 minutes, but something has to be done. Yeah. This this was in our meeting on Monday, last Monday. Well, unfortunately, with the whole incarceration thing, money's involved. Oh, for sure. And so 
the incentive to want to change that is not very high. Not very high. And that's that's the problem. Let's see here. Got to say good night to you guys. Good luck, Ron. Thanks, Mama Sarge. Thanks for tuning in, Mama Sarge. It was fun to have you. Uh, look forward to the the next live we do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we should probably wrap this yep. up, anyways. Yeah, um, sounds good. Yeah, so we're an hour and forty minutes into this thing. Holy, <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. That was fast. That was fast. This but... is a time warp. Yes. Th- thanks for having me, man. I, I I I wasn't expecting to do this so so fast, and um. Maybe we can do another one a few months down the road to, yeah. get, you know, we can explain what the results were after Wednesday. Absolutely. Um, and uh, whoever listens to this, if you know somebody or yourself needs help, reach out. Um, don't be ashamed. There's nothing. I know, I know it might feel like shame and embarrassing and shameful, but man, there's nothing to be ashamed about with being a, having an addiction to drugs, alcohol. If you know somebody or if it's yourself and you want help, it's there. Don't be ashamed about it. And then, you know, there's more people than you realize, um, that are dealing with this, that want help. Um, and it's there, the resources are there. There's, there's a lot of things out there to help. So don't just, if you're struggling and looking for help, don't, don't be afraid to get it. I, I'm telling you, even though I've been to rehabs four times in the last year, um, it, it's if I didn't go, I'd be dead right now. I know it for sure. Yeah. I, if I wouldn't be dead, I definitely wouldn't have a job. Right. I'd, I'd be homeless. Uh, it, it Rehab does work. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for being here, Ron. Thanks, and Dave. I'm, I'm glad that you uh, went back to rehab and you're doing well now. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. All right. All right. See ya. See ya.